development and IoT professionals all around the world. I am Ken Briota, your host on this episode of Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors, and welcome back. Uh, we're a podcast where we focus on avoiding the marketing speak, avoiding the uh, hype cycle and the veneer, uh, and getting into the meat and uh, the guts of the IoT. We want to talk about real-world impl- uh, implementations and real-life scenarios, real problems, and how to solve them. And I am very excited to have as my guest today, uh, Robin, and I'm going to apologize for my uh, potential pronunciation problem here, Duke Woolley, uh, <laughs> of Beecham Research. Uh, Robin is the CEO and founder of Beecham. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, eSIM and and what its implications are on the IoT. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Ken. Yeah, great to be here. And you're perfectly right with the pronunciation, Robin Duke Woolley. Yes, Wonderful. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> but you did. You did. Just by virtue <laughs> of, uh, of your accent, it seems. Are you uh, from South America somewhere, perhaps? Uh, uh, no, no, no very, very, very much from the UK, yes. Uh, well, <laughs> Sitting here just outside, just outside London. Uh, yeah. Well, we're happy to have you here on uh, Real World IoT. Can you tell the folks a little bit about yourself and, and your background and how you ended up uh, uh, getting started in, with Beecham? Yes, indeed. Um, so uh, I've been involved in the uh, telecommunications sector uh, for about 40 years, I think. I wouldn't like to go that far back. Um, but uh, started off in industry and then uh, moved into uh, analysis and consulting. Uh, I'm tired of working for a living, eh? <laughs> Indeed, yeah. <laughs> 25 years ago or something like that. And um, I've actually been working uh, in IoT and M2M uh, since 2001. I remember the project when I uh, first started in, uh, in M2M in 2001. And uh, I've been uh, working at it uh, ever since. I... Uh, I formed Beecham Research a little bit more recently than that, uh, and that's really uh, a market research and consulting firm that focuses entirely on IoT and M2M. Uh, so we look at the markets, we look at the uh, uh, opportunities uh, in the marketplace, we're looking at um, the trends in the marketplace, the forecasts, and uh, all that kind of stuff. So uh, um, uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting area. I'm actually quite a fan of uh, of your work in Beecham, of uh, uh, in various uh, avenues, written about some of your uh, your research and, and reports several times in the past. So um, I'm I'm delighted to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's a it's a downright shame that this is our first time speaking. We're going to uh, uh, make sure that there are many others. But to the uh, to the point Great. at hand. Um, eSIM and uh, and e- EUICC is just much less pronounceable, uh, so I'm going to it is indeed, yes. it entirely because I don't like it. Um, <laughs> I'll explain um, the difference. Yeah. Well, right. Let's talk a little bit about what the difference is, what uh, some of the advantages are, uh, why IoT specifically should be thinking about these issues. Yes, indeed. Well, this is all to do with the uh, cellular world. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. in the cellular world, uh, we've, we've had uh, SIM cards in mobile handsets for, well, like forever, really. Sure. Um, and uh, uh, we have a card that, that, that you slot into uh, to the handset, uh, typically uh, where you're buying the handset at a retail uh, outlet or something like that. Um, 
And uh, the SIM card is very much orientated towards uh, handsets. Now, that's fine for handsets, but it's not very good for IoT-type devices. So uh, take, for example, you want to connect up um, uh, something that's going to sit on the top of a streetlight or something like that, a camera or something like that. Um, you, uh, you, you, you have to uh, make sure that the SIM card gets to the location uh, at the same time as the device so that you can install it all together. And sometimes that's all quite logistically difficult to do, to make yes. sure that it's uh, uh, going to the right network operator and stuff like that. So um, uh, the eSIM... I'm sorry to, sorry to interrupt. That couldn't be done at manufacturing? That couldn't simply... Uh, no, it's, no, no, because you don't know where it's going to end up and you, uh, you don't know um, uh, what, what operator you're going to use and, uh, and stuff like that. That's true. I, thought, always forget, uh, I always forget that cellular is not at all ubiquitous or uh, uh, there's, there's essentially no global carriers. <laughs> that you could uh, well, yes, they're all very. They're, they're really more national than international, sure. uh, and that's the way they've grown up. So, uh, so um, uh, if you, you you can't insert the card during manufacture, uh, not very easily because you don't know quite where it's going to end up. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't know which operator you, is going to be appropriate. Um, and uh, if you if you match up the uh, the SIM card later in the process, then it gets logistically quite awkward to uh, to do that. Now at the moment, that's what happens um, if if you don't have uh, eSIM. Now eSIM is a way of uh, um, uh, putting the SIM card or a component. Uh, there are two op there are a number of different options as to the uh, to the format, but but basically it's, it becomes a component uh, in the device. And uh, it, it's, it's a blank, so it's not got any programming in it. Um, you put that in during the manufacture, and then when you get to the point of, of use, uh, it comes online, it, uh, it sees where it is, it, 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 there's a bootstrap in it to go back to, well, which, which um, mobile operator should I be working with? Mm -hmm. And then all of that is downloaded. So uh, it, it makes uh, a, a, an eSIM-type approach uh, makes the um, the whole thing of, of using SIM cards uh, much more streamlined for um, manufactured items. Uh, I, think, I think it would uh, make, it would be much more flexible because with a change of code, yeah. you could be you, know, you could move that device if you needed to to a different location and Indeed. use it. You could probably make it more mobile or multi-SIM. If you needed to, again, by altering code from carrier to carrier, if you're talking about a shipping container or something like that, I would expect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's a, it's a much more flexible approach that's particularly appropriate for IoT devices. Um, some of them end up in pretty remote places as well. And uh, you, have a, you sign a contract, which is uh, a length of time with a particular mobile operator. Mm -hmm. But you might then uh, get a better deal from uh, another mobile operator when it comes up for uh, contract renewal. And you want to change from one mobile operator to another. And uh, if the uh, SIM is in a pretty remote location, that's very difficult to yeah. change it physically. Yeah. Um, but with, a, with an eSIM type of approach, you can then just download the, uh, the network profile of the, uh, of the new uh, network operator, and it's done straight away. So uh, it's, uh, it's possible then to retain tremendous flexibility uh, with, uh, with eSIM that you really don't get with, uh, with a, a traditional SIM card.
for uh, for IoT. So, so it, it opens up it opens up the market for uh, uh, you know, the applications that it can be used in, the uh, streamlining of the process, and therefore the uh, the costs associated with uh, you know uh, connecting up devices. So uh, it, it's it's a it's an approach that is. Uh, designed to be uh, much more appropriate for IoT devices than uh, SIM cards were. Almost a uh, uh, bespoke SIM is what they should have called it uh, for, well, <laughs> for IoT. For IoT, yes, yes. <laughs> well, there, there, is a, there is a particular format of it that they call an M2M form factor. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, it, it, it almost is called that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, here on uh, Real World IoT, uh, we... Uh, we very much want to cover the broad scope of, of what we're talking about. So enough of these good features, and let's talk about the bugs. What are some of the challenges and, and difficulties involved in, in eSIM deployments? Um, are, there, are there logistical problems that you are going to encounter and or uh, have to figure out how to work? Well, so uh, eSIM uh, has developed over a number of years, and I, I'll just at this stage just uh, define the difference between eSIM and uh, the uh, horrible word EUICC. Sure. The EUICC is actually uh, a, 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 a SIM card that is uh, downloadable over the air, so you can download the network profile over the air. So you're really referring to the, uh, the SIM itself, whereas eSIM is the whole solution. Uh, it's how you download over the air. So, uh, if you like, EUICC is part of eSIM. Um, that makes sense. Now, um, yeah. So, um, uh, the, the eSIM um, model uh, obviously requires uh, some form of standardization um, because otherwise you could have uh, one eSIM system not being able to talk to another eSIM system and, the, uh, and then you end up with uh, the SIM cards effectively or the the, e, the, the um, EUICCs uh, becoming um, uh, locked in to uh, one particular type of eSIM uh, solution. So uh, the GSMA has been working for some time on uh, uh, the next best thing to a standard. They don't actually do standards, but they, they, they've done a specification that they've uh, uh, put into the marketplace to get uh, general acceptance, and it is becoming to be uh, accepted now. Um, so first of all, uh, there needs to be uh, one interoperable standard that, uh, or specification that everybody can work to to, uh, <laughs> to make it work. Every time somebody says we uh, need one standard, I just <laughs> in the IoT, I just have to laugh because it, well, it, yeah. you know, it, we've been talking about a standard for connectivity. It, I mean, even broken up between Zigbee and Z-Wave and Wi-Fi and and LPWA and all the of everything. Each one of them wants to have yeah. their own standard, and they can't get their act together. So I'm yeah. I'm pretty skeptical about saying that there will be one standard for eSIM. <laughs> well, uh, so what happened was uh, the, the the concept developed first, and uh, we got uh, quite a few proprietary uh, solutions, uh, and then it was thought that uh, the market would not really take off. Uh, very well uh, if you had all these proprietary <laughs> solutions that didn't work. Sorry, so, my, my, so brain, my brain sarcastically is, goes, really? <laughs> yeah, right, yes, absolutely, yes, yes, yes. So it's, not, it's a great revelation. <laughs> but uh, we actually did some work a few years ago that kind of indicated that uh, if, the, uh, if, the, if the industry didn't come together around one standard, then 
the marketplace would take off to a certain degree with proprietary. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if they all got together, then it would be about double the size uh, okay. using uh, one standard. And uh, I think that that, that, has, that argument has won the game. It's not necessarily just what we said. It's what every, a lot of other people have been saying as well. But the net result is that this uh, GSMA specification is beginning to, uh, to get some traction uh, mm-hmm. in the marketplace. And we can see some, uh, some benefits of, of using that. I have to say, though, that um, the GSMA specification is primarily to do with the software. It's primarily to do with the, uh, the way that the system works. Mm-hmm. What it doesn't really uh, cover is the uh, commercial arrangements between uh, mobile operators. So although you might have um, uh, a system that uh, works and allows you to uh, swap between uh, different mobile operators, Unless you actually have the information from the mobile operators, which is the uh, network profiles and special yep. key codes and stuff like that, unless you have that uh, provided by the uh, network operators, you're not going to be able to swap them anyway. Um, so uh, I think that um, the, uh, the technical solution uh, has uh, worked pretty well. Uh, it's been developed pretty well. But I think that the uh, commercial arrangements are a little bit further behind. And uh, uh, the uh, network operators, uh, to some extent, are cooperating with this. But I think that there is a way to go. Sure. I know that uh, in uh, traditional SIM, uh, mobile devices, and and, uh, in many times for fleet operators and cars and things, they're uh, working out multi-carrier SIM uh, options. Is eSIM capable of doing that kind of thing, too? Yes, it is. Uh, you can have uh, several. Uh, you can have several um, network profiles uh, in one SIM or eSIM. Okay. Uh, six or seven of them, if you really wanted that. Um, it's really a question of the memory that you uh, that you put onto it. So it's uh, it's a little bit more expensive if you want more because you need more memory. But uh, yeah. but basically, it's uh, it's a relatively small thing thing to do. But you're right. There are um, what's called multi imsi uh, which is uh, a, a sort of pre-eSIM version uh, of the same thing, where you could have uh, two um, identities. Uh, IMSI is, 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 the, is the identity of the device. Um, so it's at a lower level than the uh, network profile. Sure. Um, but you could have uh, multiple uh, identities, which could be on the same network or theoretically could be on different networks. So if you swap from one IMSI to another on the same SIM card, then you can effectively move from one network to another. Okay. Now, that sounds very simple. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the trouble is that there's never been any uh, standard for uh, multi-IMSI, so uh, they're all proprietary systems. Um, uh, yeah. And it was, the, it was that, if you like, uh, part of the uh, experience of that, uh, that has led people to want to try to get a standard for uh, for eSIM. That makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, although my instinct is that generally speaking, if you're if you're looking at the eSIM option, you're looking at not necessarily mobile things. So I don't think the multi-carrier right. thing is really going to be a huge issue for eSIM. I think that's always going to be. Right. You know, the, the fleet operators and the big containers and ships and stuff, there's no reason they can't use a traditional uh, setup or even satellite and all the various other options that, they, that exist. Right, um, right. So 
So leaving that piece of it aside, what other uh, challenges are involved that are sort of unique to uh, to an eSIM deployment? Is it tougher to manage at scale or easier even? Uh, is it sort of uh, very code heavy? I, I would imagine maybe that you need some pretty specific code expertise to make that work. So you know, if you're a, a farmer, you know, running. 100,000 acres out in the middle of uh, the U.S. and right, Australia, yeah. and you've got a million eSIMs tracking different parts of your field, you're not necessarily a code person. <laughs> no, no, you, you, you wouldn't be. And, and uh, God forbid that you should have to be, actually. Um, so uh, there, there is a, there's, the, there's the device, there's the, the SIM itself, which uh, as, as it's called, the EUICC, which is the, uh, the actual thing that you update over the air. Yep. Uh, that's what's in the device itself. That's what's in the tractor. That's what's in the um, combine harvester. That's what's in the um, uh, the, the tank that you're monitoring, uh, the level of, all, all those kinds of things. What are you guys doing but behind it, farmers have tanks? <laughs> well, uh, tanks, tanks for monitoring. <laughs> no, 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 not 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 uh, military tanks. I'm sorry, sorry, I'm American. That's exactly where we have to go. It's. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Um, but, uh, but behind all that is uh, the uh, subscription management uh, system, which is uh, what updates the profiles into, into that remote SIM. So uh, who actually looks after that? Well, it's not the farmer that does that, but right. it's a service that's provided by a number of different people. Uh, it could be the uh, SIM card manufacturers. It could be uh, independent uh, uh, subscription management service providers. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a number of different people that can provide that, that kind of service, but it is a service that uh, needs to be provided. And that's really where the complications arise. Um, so uh, there's a, there's a, it, 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 SIM card sounds incredibly simple. It sounds like uh, yeah, a very simple thing to do. And, it, and, and it's right that it is simple in concept, but actually uh, doing all the things that a SIM card has to do and um, providing the, the barrier, if you like, to a network to provide security and all the other things that uh, the SIM card has to do, it's actually quite complicated. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the subscription management system is not a simple beast. Uh, it's something that needs uh, specialist knowledge uh, to, uh, to be able to manage. Um, and so uh, that's where the technicalities arise, and that's where the uh, complications can arise. Uh, and, and trying to get those uh, subscription management systems to interact, uh, as I was saying earlier, um, so that uh, you can retain flexibility and, uh, and, and use the, the same EUICC on any of the subscription management systems is quite a difficult thing to, to achieve. Um, it, it seems like that's, been, a, that's a natural sort of case for the as-a-service model, which, generally speaking, I think gets overused and, and significantly overhyped. Um, but in this case, it seems like it would make a lot of sense to make sure that the an eSIM solution is provided with the service for it and with the, the management professional access. Because... Yes. Because... As you say, that's a specialized. It's a very particular set of skills, and you can, you aren't always Liam Neeson. Um. Yes, yes. I mean, basically, 
if you if if you if you can't get access to a subscription management system, you can't really have an eSIM. Uh, it, it, you, you can't really have a an EUICC. There's no there's no point. Uh, it's it's the other half of the system. Uh, so it goes along with that, and uh, you know that that introduces its own. Well, you could say limitations, but uh, you, you could look at it another way. Uh, it introduces disciplines which uh, you have to uh, conform to to make sure that you can actually get the service that you're looking for. So um, it, 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 it does introduce complications. Yeah, absolutely. But overall, um, the whole point of uh, eSIM and EUICC and all these horrible other terms is really to make it uh, simpler for the, uh, for the actual user, for the farmer, that right. uh, he doesn't have to get involved with the technicalities. He doesn't have to understand what the SIM cards do because it's effectively all done for him under a managed service. Right. As um, long as he finds out so he can enough water, that's it. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he can focus on the stuff that he really uh, needs to focus on to, uh, to do his own job and to make a living. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he effectively um, uh, outsources the rest of it as a, as a managed service, uh, and, uh, and that's dealt with uh, for him. And I think you know, uh, generally, uh, I have to say, that's what the industry, trying to do with IoT because you know, in the earlier days uh, which we called M2M um, uh, the, the user had to get pretty involved in the technicalities of how the thing worked so you had to choose the, uh, the device that was uh, receiving all these signals you had to choose the network operator you had to choose every stage of this uh, and get involved in the overall solution well, nowadays, uh, the, the emphasis is, is trying to make it as simple as possible for the end user. So all he has to do is specify what he wants and then switch it on. Well, pay for it as well, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, but not get involved in all the technicalities. And I think that uh, that's when uh, IoT really starts to take off, when it becomes simple uh, for, for people to use. Agreed. Um, yeah. I think that... Uh, I think that you know, my my personal theory has long been that the the end goal of the entire IoT industry, if it was a monolithic thing, uh, would have to be uh, making itself invisible. You know, just total yes. ubiquity, and so it, it becomes indoor plumbing. Everybody just sort of assumes it's there and only notices it if it's not working, and then calls in an expert because they don't know what to do with it. You know, that's, that's Absolutely. sort of the ideal case for IoT, and we're not there yet. And we're it probably, is. We're probably yeah. a ways away from there, but yeah. I think so, yeah. <laughs> but we're getting a lot closer than we ever have been before, I must say. And sure. uh, we're getting uh, closer to it being affordable as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, the costs of particularly connectivity are coming down, uh, making it more affordable, I think, for lots of stuff that's out there, basically. We can connect more stuff uh, cost-effectively than we than we ever could before. Is yeah. there, uh, with, with eSIM, are, are there sort of uh, technical differences, things like, and now I'm thinking about uh, sort of industrial use cases in uh, manufacturing situations or uh, building management kind of things where uh, building penetration is, is uh, a weakness, or is it basically comparable to any other SIM solution? No, the, 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 the whole idea is that uh, the SIM is the SIM, uh, and uh, you try to make them as standard as possible. I have to say that uh, there are stages of uh, development uh, to make that happen. So 
you know, the, the industry is in the process of uh, introducing uh, low power wide area technologies right. uh, at the moment. Uh, so things like uh, narrowband IoT, NB-IoT, and, uh, and LTEM. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a, sort of, yeah, a bit of a difference between those, but they're both cellular-based. Right. Um, and uh, you know, it's difficult at the moment, to, uh, at the current sort of stage of, of adoption, to, to have a SIM card that works on NB-IoT and works on, say, 2G and stuff like that. There are differences that need to be rationalized. Right. But... Uh, you know, these are all growing pains, basically teething, mm-hmm. teething issues that uh, the industry uh, is uh, trying to resolve. Uh, and uh, the, the final uh, analysis has to be um, a SIM that can be used for uh, all sorts of types of applications and also uh, can roam from uh, one situation to another and be used in lots of different types of situations uh, without change. Um, yeah, that, that those are important aspects of of making uh, IoT sufficiently simple and and cost effective that right. uh, that it becomes much more ubiquitous. Yeah. Uh, and as you say, it, it 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 drifts into the background. As soon as you f- you're familiar with it and you know that an application works, you forget about the uh, how it works, and you just focus on the fact that it does work, and uh, you're getting all this information that you didn't have before, and then you focus on what you're going to do with that information. So the whole sort of focus changes from uh, trying to get it to work to trying to see, well, what value can I get out of this information that I wasn't getting before? Sure, and I think uh, that'd be a great topic for a, a future podcast is talk about things like cost and, and how that's being uh, managed and, and what these sort of developing economies of IoT are, and then uh, a little bit about how ubiquity looks as we as we get yes. there. And I'd love to have those conversations with you. But unfortunately, we're getting, great. we're getting near the end of time. And ah. uh, what I'd like to do is sort of ask you what I didn't know enough to ask you. What have we not discussed yet that's important for people to to know and understand about eSIM? Uh, or to consider when thinking about offering it to clients as part of a service offering or, or whatever? What should folks be thinking about it? Well, so um, I, I should say that the, the real um, uh, opportunity for, for eSIM uh, is with uh, product manufacturers to, uh, to build uh, eSIM into their products. And those products can end up like anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it provides a very much more cost-effective and streamlined way of getting connectivity into those products and out wherever they happen to be. So uh, we think it's a, a, an extremely important uh, aspect of um, you know, building the IoT is to uh, introduce things like eSIM that uh, make it much easier, much simpler to get connectivity in widely diverse uh, products all over the world. Um, Do you think? Because if you if you don't build it in during manufacture and you have to add it uh, later, then it becomes uh, very much of a piecemeal thing, and it's very much more expensive to do it. So it has to start with manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, do you think that there's an opportunity for? I know that uh, you know thinking on a much larger, sc- uh, a much sort of more specific scale, where GE when they manufacture their jet engines automatically build in all the sensors and devices and stuff so that they can inform their right. now digital twin software and and they're tracking all of the things that they manufacture 
on an industrial level anyway, for their own yes. quality control purposes, and then sharing that with their clients if their clients want it, and they often do. Right. Do you think that there's an opportunity for essentially any manufacturing operation to implant the eSIM as a matter of course, yeah. as sort of a, an yeah. always value add, track these things themselves for the sake of their own big data sets, but uh, about whatever their manufacturer process is, but also to license, share, offer that data to the so customer of the, whoever's yes. deploying the manufactured device, and then again make it more ubiquitous and more uh, streamlined for the user. All the user has to do is say, "Well, I bought this from whatever manufacturer, Foxconn, whoever," uh, right. and so now I just talk to them about what the data is. Is that right. something that manufacturers yeah. are going to want to be involved in? A. I think I think so. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so uh, I think manufacturers in general are, are just getting to grips with. Uh, why would I want to connect all my devices that are out there and what information can I get back from there that's going to be valuable to me? Some, like GE, uh, have gone way, way down that route and they know uh, what they're doing and they're getting tremendous value from that. But uh, when you look at uh, all of the products that are manufactured in the world that could be connected, and that's basically anything that's got uh, a microprocessor in it, so uh, it's anything that's got any sort of data in it at all, uh, you can start to think about what would you use that data for. Um, there's lots of stuff. Um, I mean, actually, even stuff that uh, doesn't uh, have uh, a microprocessor in it because it, you might attach a sensor to it, which, which has that in it. So, <laughs> so you want to track it or something like that. So there's, there's huge numbers of, uh, of things that could be, uh, have this connectivity uh, embedded in them and then create data opportunities both for themselves and also for their customers. Um, and it's a whole new side of uh, uh, thinking about product and uh, what you do with the data from a product that needs some fairly innovative thinking um, to actually get to grips with what, what, what value can you get from that. Because it's not necessarily obvious. It might mean that you have to think about your product in a somewhat different way than right. you've thought about it before. Um, but yes, I think with, uh, with, with almost anything that you can think of, there is a nugget of value. And if you can get hold of that, then you can increase the value of the product to the product plus this additional data. You can create a service around it that is uh, going to be valuable. Uh, that'll have a revenue uh, attached to it. And then you can share that data with others that uh, can also increase its value. So, you know, we think that... Uh, the more things that are connected, those things that are connected will be much more competitive, frankly, in the marketplace than those things that aren't connected. Um, so anything that can help to uh, drive that connection and to drive that data is a good thing. And eSIM is one of those things. Yeah, and that's a, a, a really great way to, to wrap us up. Where can folks find out more about you, Robin, and about uh, uh, Beecham Research? Well, so our website is BeechamResearch.com, and uh, if anybody wants to get hold of me, then I suggest uh, info at BeechamResearch.com is a lot easier than using my name. Um, so <laughs> uh, I won't spell my name out, but uh, um, info at BeechamResearch.com will get to me. So uh, if anybody wants to uh, send me an email or something like that, then use that email address, info at BeechamResearch.com, and it'll get to me. 
Excellent. And, uh, folks, you can uh, uh, find out more about this podcast and, and follow us on Twitter at 151advisors. Uh, but uh, you should also visit 151advisors.com. Uh, it may be where you found this podcast, but if not, uh, and this is your first time listening, please make sure you subscribe. Leave us reviews on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, which used to be iTunes for whatever reason, uh, or wherever you find your favorite free business podcast that you listen to in your car, I assume. Um, and we are, uh, we're really happy to have you, and uh, we hope you are enjoying the show. So please, if so, uh, uh, leave us a review. It's really helpful in raising the profile of the show and getting more folks to, uh, to listen. Robin, thank you so much for, for speaking with me today. It's been a, a real pleasure getting to know you a little bit. Yes, Ken, great. Thanks very much. It's a great conversation. Well, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. Make sure you go online to check out more content on how you can monetize the connected world at 151advisors.com. That's 151advisors.com for all the information and content like this podcast that will help you power your business and monetize your business into the next phase of the IoT. Thank you again for listening to Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. I am your host, Ken Briota, signing off. See you next time.